You're listening to Popaganda, the feminism and pop culture podcast. Today, we're exploring fandom. We've talked about fandom among fans, but what is it like to be the center of all that attention? Scottish electro-pop band Churches blew up after the release of their first album in 2013. Singer Lauren Mayberry fronts the trio, her gorgeous voice cutting through the band's punchy electric harmonies. The band has toured pretty much constantly over the past two years, keeping up an exhausting schedule of usually sold-out shows across the world. Along the way, Lauren has had to learn what it's like to be at the front of a super popular band. Most fans are awesome. Her intimate lyrics resonate with many people in a unique way. But Lauren's also spoken openly about the constant online harassment she faces from some male listeners. When the band had a very rare day off in Portland, Lauren and I met up to talk about her history as a fan. It turns out she was really into emo as a teen. We also talked about how she tries to be sincere with all the fans of churches, including having to call out the occasional dude. When we talked in her hotel room, she'd just gotten off the phone with her mom. Yeah, can, can, can you tell me about um, sort of what your parents think of your music and what, what they think of your stage show? Yeah, my par- I'm really lucky and my parents have been really supportive of all this stuff um, since I was a teenager and they would like drive, drive me to gigs with my drum kit and stuff. And uh, they've definitely put in the hours of coming to not that awesome gigs in quite scary venues in Scotland. So um, yeah, I think they, they're very happy with where we are now and uh, I guess it's the most... Uh, I suppose it's the most accessible music I've ever made, so they can actually enjoy it sonically, which is nice. And um, yeah, my parents came out to the New York show we did um, at the start of this tour, and I like to believe they would be quite proud of it, I like, but they're also still definitely parents. They're never going to let you get ideas above your station, I think that's a good thing. But yeah, I guess we don't get to see them that much, so I think it's the first time I've spoken to my mum on the phone on this tour. But you know, try and keep in touch. Smartphones great invention for touring bands yeah so what in what ways do you think your parents won't, won't let you get above your station are they like that was fine but you know so and so is better well um my mom keeps tabs on stuff online which i find deeply worrying in many ways but she's always like i saw this thing that this person said and i disagree because of this and i'm like thanks mom but um yeah i think also sometimes she does the are you really are you gonna wear that <laughs> thing and i'm like yeah yeah why what's wrong with it she's like nothing but I think in her head she's like why are you dressed so scruffily what are you doing but um yeah I think that's good I don't like the idea that you become obsessed with like the idea of yourself you know what I mean because a lot of the time when people talk about us or write about us it's kind of abstract you know so I think it's nice to focus on the actual real real world and have that separation between band persona and real person uh, and so your your mom kind of helps keep you honest and say I know who you actually are you might be cool to like <laughs> millions of people in the world but like maybe you're not that cool to me well yeah it was nice when I was speaking to her on the phone just there she was we were catching up on some things and she was talking about her opinions on uh, just some stuff that people had written about us or said about us and she was like I disagree because of this reason and then it was very nice she was like and if you ever want to just like phone me and talk about it you could do that oh like, that's Aw. so sweet thanks mom but then also I was like don't read that because it can't be nice for a parent to read that I'm like don't look at it look away but she's a tough cookie so has your mom kept up on um you writing about misogyny and writing about the sort of terrible comments you've gotten online yeah I think they've they've been really supportive of that and I guess also for a parent that can't be nice 
to find out about that can't be pleasant and uh, you know they raised me to be I hope a reasonably thoughtful and person with empathy for people so I guess it is weird for them to think why would somebody say that to my child but uh, no they're very supportive of it and uh, I think I like I can't know I feel like my mum has been a lot more engaged with that those kind of issues in the last few years as well so it's nice for us to have those things to talk about and kind of you know look at it through a different lens generationally speaking. That's really sweet that she says if you ever want to talk about it just give me a call I can I can listen to you. Well, and it's nice, because I guess when we were talking about it, she's like, and I see things, and then I want to reply, but I know I can't, because you'd be upset with me. And I'm like, yes, don't reply. Don't don't talk to them. Don't engage. Look away. But um, no, I think it's nice. And I guess we're very lucky to have that. Has your mom ever jumped in to defend you online? Not that I'm aware of, unless she's got, like, troll accounts. I think my mom could be, like, the ultimate troll in the true sense of the word troll. You know, when people are just, like taking a rise out of people or noising you up for humorous purposes. To me, that's what troll means. So when people say trolls to us, I'm like, they're not trolls. Those aren't trolls. That's not funny. To be a troll, you need to be funny. Um, but yeah, maybe she's got like parody accounts somewhere and she can do that. But uh, no, we have quite a strict don't reply to the mum policy. So When I started writing online, my parents would definitely leave comments. Uh, <laughs> and uh, under completely obvious names. I remember <laughs> when, I, when I first started publishing work online, my dad commented and his um, his super secret name that he made up was El Dado. <laughs> and I was like, don't do that. Don't be El Dado. But he wanted, yeah, I can understand the urge where you're like, you just want, don't want to just leave your child out there. You've been protecting them their whole life. You don't want to just leave them there in front of the bus. But um, yeah, I guess it's helpful to have the moral support more than anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you guys tour more than anybody else I know in the entire world. You're on tour all the time. I believe right now you're on tour for 18 straight months. Is, is that correct? Pretty much, I think. I guess we'll take a lot of time off for Christmas, and uh, there'll be like a few-day break between tours, but um, I don't think I'm not, I'm not going to be back in the UK until just before Christmas, I don't think. So, busy times. And is that your decision to tour so much and, like, Is that important to you? I guess it's always just been the kind of way we wanted to run the band, I suppose. Um, I think when we started, it was very much a thing that existed online, and that was great, and that's how we gathered a lot of the fan base, but I think it was important for us to take that out of the abstract and put it into people's real lives. I guess the shows are never the same because the front row is always different, and there's always a different kind of feedback going on, and I think to me that's, like as cheesy as it sounds, that's a really helpful reminder of why you're doing what you're doing, you know? Like, we make music because we want to be creative and make something that means something to us, but ultimately we always wanted that to communicate with other people. And I've been in a lot of bands where that hasn't been the case. So then when you see people responding and bringing those songs and that music into their lives, I think that, for me, is the best feedback you can get. And there's a lot of bullshit that flies around in the industry that we're in, but I think it's nice to, you know, at the end of the day, focus on that and see... see how the music is connecting with people. I think that's the best thing. What What are you thinking about while you're on stage? Are you thinking about that connection, like, of the people in the audience, or are you trying to keep your head straight on what you're doing, or, like, what's going through your head when you're, when you're performing so much? I think, for me, it's changed a lot in the last couple of years. Um, I used to get very bad gig anxiety, which was quite weird because I never had it in other bands, but I think this is the first band I've been in where I wasn't playing other instruments and I suppose 
as much as we didn't do anything we didn't feel ready for it did change a lot like we were playing small clubs and then it was just getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger all the time and um, I don't think at that time I'd found a way to deal well with people talking about us and telling us what you know just everyone's got an opinion and it's just like all this white noise coming at you and I don't think at the time I was dealing that well with that so I think there was a lot of gigs where I was just focusing on like counting bars and you know trying not to like you know, be like, okay, everything's going a little purple, I should breathe more, I should breathe more. And I think it's just been helpful to allow ourselves to grow at our own pace. And now I think when we're playing the shows, it's a lot more comfortable. And weirdly, that is now one of the more comfortable parts of being in the band. And we had six months off at home to make the record. And I tried to kind of use that time just to feel like I was getting more on top of my own shit, you know? Because I feel like I spent a lot of the time in the first record feeling like I was catching up with myself all the time. What's, what's that mean? Just like if everything is constantly changing and we're like it's becoming bigger and bigger and bigger and I'm like this isn't well I don't I'm not a professional musician I don't know what I'm doing and just like having the world's biggest imposter complex and I think it was helpful to have that time off to step back and look at what we had done which is really great but then also think about like this is my job this is my life now but how do I want to do that you know I feel like if I had if I had a dollar for every time somebody was like, she should do this, she shouldn't do that. She should do that. Like, it's just it's just a big mess of opinions and nobody really knows what your band is or what you're trying to do other than you. So as much as, I don't know, I think I'm a bit more zen about it now. I'm like, people are entitled to their opinions and that's fine. Like, creativity is designed to make people think or feel something, but um, we don't have to change the way we operate in order to accommodate those things, you know? People always want to stereotype you in one way or another. So some people want me to be a pull-faced, aggressive, angry woman. And then other people are like, oh, well, she just fronts a pop band, so she can't have anything useful to say. She must be an idiot. And I'm like, well, neither of these things are correct. But, yeah. Yeah. Do, do you hear from fans a lot who say, like, this song got me through a hard time or this song means this to me? Yeah, I guess we speak to people after shows or at signings and stuff, and I just started using this, uh, like, mailbox that we leave on the merch stand which I kind of kind of ripped the idea off the amazing Tegan and Sarah and basically people just put in letters or they can put in stamped address envelopes and we could try and write back to them and stuff like that and yeah like a lot of the time it's just people talking about when they first saw the band and what it means to them and you know sometimes some of the stuff is really fucking sad and it's like really upsetting that terrible things happen to these people but then they found something in the music that made them feel better for a time and I think that's a really wonderful thing. And to me, that's more valuable feedback is sitting reading that stuff than sitting online and reading, you know, reams and reams of, like, criticism about it, you know? I guess I was like, that. that's actually reality, is sitting face-to-face with that stuff. And maybe I'm just a big emo in disguise still, I don't know. But I think it's, it's important to be aware of that stuff. That's really sweet. I, it feels kind of old school, like people writing you actual physical letters on pieces of paper. It's pretty, I guess, because we've been so active on our social networks with the fan community and we've got a really great, solid base there. But also I think it's nice to, you know, we live in an online world where everything's on screens and everything's in the internet. And I think, to me, I quite like the the idea of, like, an old school letter going to somebody in the post. And I guess I was a teenager that was in street teams and on band message boards and I was in the Blood Pact, the Alkaline Trio fan club, and they sent you like a patch and a letter when you joined and I remember being so fucking excited when it came in the post. And to me, I think that's, that's yeah, I like that. What what kind of shows would you go to as a teenager? Would you go to clubs a lot? 
Um, well, I guess I lived in the kind of rural wilderness, so um, there was a, you would get a bus and a train to Glasgow, and then you would go to a show there. And um, I guess I was pretty into stuff like Jimmy Eat World and Death Cab and Brand New Bright Eyes, stuff like that. You so are an emo kid at heart. I am an emotional, <laughs> I've got an emo core. But I don't know, like, I don't really subscribe to that notion that people can be snooty about emo. I remember as a teenager going to shows every once in a while. I also lived in a small town, so there weren't many shows. Not a lot going on. Not a lot going on. Um, But just being in a crowd of people at at a music show is such a unique and powerful experience. And I always have trouble articulating what that feeling is. Like, why does that feel so important? And why is that something so many people want? You know? I think it's funny when you've especially when I was a teenager, I was like, you sit and you listen to those records by yourself and you think about how much they mean to you and why, and that's your totally personal experience. And then you go into a place where you're with so many other people and it's a public experience, but it's also, like, so personal. And I, like, I think there's certain shows I went to when I was a teenager, and sometimes now, maybe I'm jaded, but <laughs> just, like, the, the vibe of it, like, there's totally something in the air because everyone's brought in, like, that good and bad emotional baggage with them. But to me, that's that's the best kind of show is when... People are emotionally invested in what's happening. They're not just kind of standing there stroking their chins and analyzing it. Like, they're living it. And I think that's pretty awesome. (laughs) Okay, well, you're talking about sort of ways to rethink about the work that you're doing to make it more positive rather than feeling like you're constantly on the defensive and, like, being swamped by commentary. And maybe that ties into sort of self-care and taking care of yourself emotionally and psychologically when you're touring. Can you speak to that, to both how you try and um, be positive about the work that you're doing not, and not being defensive, as well as trying to take care of yourself emotionally, physically, psychologically? Well, I guess I think it was just important for me to set boundaries and as much as I want what we're doing to be as genuine as possible, I think eventually I was like, I need to draw a line between real-life me and band me. So... Um, yeah, I guess for a long time I was like, I think probably because we put so much of ourselves into our music and also lyrically it's very personal. So, you know, I want that to be the case, but then I want to be able to step back and separate when people are, you know, being negative and being hurtful and offensive. I want to have a thicker skin on that regard and just be like, I, you know, I respect what you're saying. I disagree because I don't think that's factually correct. Move on. You know, <laughs> that's like extremely generous. I disagree because I don't think that's factually correct. Well, I, the other day I wrote, uh, like, and I think it's just about like allowing yourself to feel the emotion, because everyone's like, oh, she, she just shouldn't get upset by it. And I'm like, well, no, you're human. You're a person. If someone's saying like god awful, heinous things to you, it's going to affect you. But I think I've just kind of gotten better at trying to like put a pin in it and move on. I came to the conclusion a while ago. I was like, I don't. And I was not really the kind of person that grew up wanting to be singer in a band so that people would, like, adore you and, like, lather, slather you with attention and all that stuff. I was like, but nobody wants to be hated, do they? And I was like, nobody wants to get up every day and be, like, on the receiving end of, like, tons of hateful shit. And I was like, but you don't need to internalise it, you know? I look at that and I'm like, well, that's the perception you have of me based on what you've read about me or what you think you know. But that's... You know, that's all come through a filter. It's all come through, like, a media lens. Um, I think that's an ongoing process, though, of letting go 
having everybody like you. You know, I think that it's it's easy to say. I mean, you. Le- I mean, everybody learns that growing up. Like, not everybody's gonna like you. It's okay. Don't, you can't please everybody. It, the scale of it has changed immeasurably. I guess as much as it, you know, we get a lot of positivity, and that's great. But also, you don't want that all to go into your head, and for you to think that you're the best human that's ever existed. But the scale of good and bad goes up at the same time. Mm-hmm. And also, I suppose. Um, I'm 28 now, but I was like 23, just about to be 24, when I met Ian and then started playing in the band. And I feel like a lot of people grow up a huge amount during that time of their 20s anyway. And I guess I've just done it under a microscope, being in this band. Um, and I think in my personal life and my professional life, I've just kind of figured out what lines I want to draw and what boundaries I want to set. And just finally being like, no, don't. You know, just learning not to be a pushover and also learning not to take everything take everything on your own back, if that makes sense. So I guess for me, I was like, it's important to feel like I'm putting something positive out into my tiny part of the world as well. And I think that's been a nicer way to do it rather than being like constantly like outraged by things or just feeling like, especially the kind of industry we work in, some people are like, no, oh, she should just like toughen up. She should just get over it. But then, you know, that's happening day, like every day. It's like chipping, 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 chipping away at you. And there was this, like a video that went viral of like me telling a heckler to shut up at a show. And yeah, that was a, that was a really recent show actually, where some yes. guy said he was in the audience, yelled "Marry me," and yes. you like stopped. And what the video doesn't show is that that guy had been doing that the entire time. He was doing that the whole show. People around him must have been like could this guy fucking shut up? We're trying to watch the gig. So I was like, okay, like, I'll just engage with him. So to be like, you're not being respectful of the gig. He's not being respectful of the performance. He's not being respectful of people that have come with him. Come on, come on. Marry me! Pardon? Marry me! Oh, oh, come on. (laughs) Do you actually think that's good? Does that, what's the the hit rate on that? When you go to public places and ask women you don't know. (laughs) It's like, to work your And also, I don't know, like, I assume, because you're here, that you know a bit about our band. And I'm very grumpy. I don't want that shit. Yeah, I guess for me, I was like, yes, that's... If you were like, oh, well, people were like, she's very rude to her fans, it's very disrespectful. And I was like, well, I would argue that's not a very respectful way for you to conduct yourself. And then when people were saying, well, nobody complains when little girls are shouting, marry me, an NSYNC concert. And then I was like, yes, I see what you're saying, but I'm not in a boy band. It's different. It's a different thing. And I was like, that's teenage girls dealing with hormones and growing up and all those kind of emotions. I was like, and also, we don't get through a show now where that shit doesn't happen to us. Like the day after we played in Philadelphia and somebody threw a jockstrap on the stage with a roll of condoms stuck in the front. So... You know, when someone's like, why is she being such an uptight bitch? I'm like, maybe I am being an uptight bitch. But then you don't, you know what I mean? I was like, they don't live in my experience. They don't see it every day. And it's not like I only want to talk about those minute aspects of what I perceive to be, like, women's issues. So, but, you know, you deal with the ball that you're throwing at the time. So, and I guess to me, I was like, well, we grew up playing, like, kind of club shows where you respond to the heckler and you shut them down and... If I was a dude from a metal band, nobody would have a problem with it, I don't think. So. <laughs> yeah, when when you told that guy, when, when you laid out, here's why that's disrespectful, stop doing that, you're being very rude. Did that feel good to you? Or afterwards, were you like, oh, I shouldn't have said that. I was being so mean to that guy who was being a jerk. No, well, I guess I view that as like, 
you know, that's not the best or worst thing that happened to us in that day, but it's just like gig cat calling, essentially. And I was like, it's a performance, it's a band, it's not. And I guess I was like, you don't, to me, I was like, I don't think that's part, that person is a fan of our band. Like, if they're going to look at our band and break it down to, like, separate me from the others purely based on gender, then I'm like, well, that's stupid anyway. But I didn't even think that much about it after the show because I was like, it was tongue-in-cheek, it was sarcastic, but it made the point. So I didn't really think anything about it. And, like, I don't know, part of me was like, well, maybe I should not respond to hecklers anymore. And I was like, well, then that's us changing the way we conduct ourselves because of what other people think. And can't you can't do that in life, you know? You have to just do what feels right to you at the time. And I think at the time I was like... It was just frustrating because you've been doing that the whole way through the set. So I was like, right, I'll take two minutes, deal with you. Because, you know, you're singing and performing, but also you're the front man, you're the compere, you know? So I was like, okay, for the benefit of the gig, I need to fucking shut that guy up <laughs> and then proceed. But, and then people were like, she's so rude to him. And I'm like, well, what was the appropriate response? <laughs> like, I don't understand. Yeah, like he was taking up undue amount of space and time and emotional energy from you. I mean, if you could hear him through the whole show disrupting your line of thought and you're the person who's singing <laughs> and the person that like is putting on the show I think you're right that it is it does feel like you said gig catcalling and I think that's really true that it's it's a form of harassment and same thing on the street you know when somebody yells at you on your on the street you have to figure out you know is it better for me to respond or is it better for me to not respond yeah. and it, it totally depends on the situation and how Maybe. safe you feel and how angry you are that day and that's the only like, to me, that's the difference. I was like, that's one of the few times in life where a woman literally has a microphone, so I can literally tell you to shut up and there won't be any comeback on me apart from the internet afterwards. But I don't know. I was like, it doesn't actually roll out like that that much. And mainly, my response at the time was I was like, like, shut up, you douchey dude. But also, you're ruining the gig for everybody around you. Shut up. So, I don't know. I, I, don't, I wouldn't take it back. I stand by it. I would do it again. That was Lauren Mayberry of Churches. The band's second album, Every Open Eye, just came out this fall. I bought it. You should too. Yeah.